When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick uh, here to talk about something we really probably don't want to talk about, the Raiders and the game on Monday night, the offense, particularly for the Baltimore Ravens. Joining me tonight, Jason Smith from Huddle It Up Films. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. Hanging in there, buddy. <laughs> Not a great Monday night. Uh, kind of a weird ending for us. We, we left the stadium after uh, the Raiders scored that first touchdown of overtime that wasn't and was called back. And we ended up watching the end of the game from a bridge into the inside of Reliance Stadium, Allegiant Stadium, sorry, uh, with the with the Jumbotron on. It was just a weird kind of a surreal way to finish watching a football game. Well, I tell you, that could have been epic, Ken. I, I don't know if I should blame you for that or not, but uh, it was definitely a strange ending. Yeah, really, really weird one. Uh, certainly a tough loss to take and, uh, you know, a difficult indicator going forward for the offensive line and this historic run game in particular, even though they, they rushed, you know, what, 189 yards or so this game, uh, not a problem, not a, not a great or terrible result for this, this team. It's exactly what we expect, but, uh, looking at those tackles gives a lot of worry. Yes. It's the indicators for me too, Ken. Um, I try not to make too much out of things or overreact, underreact. Uh, I'm more of an indicator person myself. And uh, the indicators specifically from the offensive line play uh, was just disappointing. And, and that, that's, I guess, what we're going to spend a lot of time on tonight. 
Yeah, we'll we'll start with that. And uh, yes, disappointing and uh, something we have to go through with nonetheless. So we'll start with Ronnie Stanley uh, on the left side. It's really among the worst game of his entire career uh, in this. And Gakwe uh, beat him every which way, but mostly it was speed to the outside and and a very effective bull rush, which, you know, last year we, we did not know Ngakwe for. We know him more for a guy who uses that cross chop well, gets to the edge, but not not as a guy who can effectively bull rush a tackle very often. Yes, and um, this is one of the things with Ronnie handling the bull rush healthy. Ronnie is more more concerned with his second anchor than he is his first. So uh, when I look at Stanley as a tackle, I see someone extremely light on his feet who trusts the fact that, hey, when it comes time to anchor for my bull rush, I'll just kind of set up my second anchor using my first anchor. But if he's uh, – you know, as, uh, if his mobility is hindered, it's going to hurt him in both phases, I believe. Yeah, a really good mirror ability. And we, I think we still saw some of that from Ronnie. I don't think he had a, a huge problem. Gakwe's very quick. So he's among the, the, you know, the best in the league in terms of getting to the edge quickly. Uh, obviously, a lot of his moves center around that. I thought Ronnie actually gave up a lot of the similar types of pressures he has in previous years. It's just he gave them up at a, at a much more frequent rate than we've ever seen before. And I want to go into that a little bit. Eight and a half pressures allowed as I scored it. That's eight full and one one half. So it's nine different pressure um, pressures. And then in addition to that, he had one full and two half quarterback hits, which is just that's awful for him. Um, you know, it's definitely not in line with what we've seen to have uh, a total of 12 individual pressure events that, that he was party to in a single game. Yeah. Um, as far as all my long term concern, it's not very high, uh, but it when you talk about this week coming up, uh, maybe next week, I'm hoping it's the kind of thing. And I think it's the kind of thing where it's just going to take him a little while to get back into the speed of the game and get a little more comfortable. Um, you know, Ronnie wanted to be ready for the start of this season. Uh, so I hope we're not rushing him back. But it's, it's, it's one of those things where, although my long-term concern isn't very high, uh, how long it takes to get him back to his normal level is something that I'm very concerned with. That is probably the most optimistic possible viewpoint. I think it's 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 the best case scenario for the Ravens right now is it's just shaking off the rust. It's just getting through this. It's facing a very quick guy in week one. It's all that. I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about a return to full functionality uh, from that injury. I don't know if I would say ever. But but I'm I'm just I'm concerned about exactly where he is right now and and what it means certainly for the rest of this year, um, and so we'll, we'll really have to see. We'll go through a little bit of the scoring in, in more detail here. He he played a total of 66 snaps as did all the players who who uh, played for the entire game. Of course, that that the left guard split the duty of course because of Phillips' injury. Made only 45 of his 66 blocks. Nine missed in addition to uh, 12 other pressure events. Scored only 22 points on the game. A point 33 on a. I gave him a .05 for Ngakwe, basically, uh, for a .38 overall and an F in the grade. Of course, that's a that's a long ways from a passing grade. And what's unfortunate about this is, uh, you know, we, we, we watched a very awkward Alejandro Villanueva on the other side, not looking like he could take over at left tackle if Ronnie Stanley had to sit out a game at this point. Yes, um, as far as the depth, it was a concern going into the season. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, we'll, we'll touch on Phillips soon, but that was part of the reason I wanted to see Phillips concentrate on right tackle uh, in case of injury or cases of poor play. 
Um, you know, I, I guess maybe I am a little more optimistic when Stanley coming back to form. I, I wouldn't say ever, um, but it, you know, it can a, a one loss is akin to a ten game losing streak in baseball or a five game losing streak in basketball. Yeah, there you I, go. Like every game counts here. Uh, you know, luckily for us, I guess our division games are later in the year. But uh, this team, if it wants to go where it, if it, if it wants, if it goes where it wants to go, is going to need Stanley at as close to 100%. Sorry for messing that up, but I think you know what I mean there. Yeah, sure I do. Um, you know, I, I think back to Ronnie's been missed time on several occasions, but in his rookie year, he missed some time. And when he came back, his first game back, he had a four penalty game against the Steelers. And then after that, he was basically played lights out the rest of the year. He played very high level for the last eight games of the year. And so I guess in the most optimistic sense, that's what we get, that he looks at the film, he figures it out very quickly. There's not the lingering mechanical issues, or or, or maybe it is just mechanical issues that he can figure out, um, and and he's better again. It uh, it certainly just looked like he was overmatched by Ngakwe, which is, 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 wow, you know, what's going on to see when you're talking about Ronnie Stanley. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, just his movements overall looked much labored compared to the ultra athletic Stanley that we're used to. We saw it a little bit in space, but I mean, it showed up mostly, like you said, in the pressures that uh, you mentioned, even against a quick guy like uh, in Doc Way, you, you expect Stanley to be able to push him. What do you call it? Around the corner on the show, push him yeah. around the corner to the end zone. And that just wasn't there. Yeah, uh, push him south of the pocket. I think is what you what you mean by that. Yeah, it's, and and he doesn't even rely on that that much. That's really an Orlando Brown thing because Orlando Brown didn't have the feet that Stanley has, so he doesn't mirror as well. Stanley, I expect him to to stay in front, and he did for the most part. But when he did, he gave up a lot of ground to do so, and he was constantly pushing up against Jackson. Uh, you know, as he was uh, you know losing ground in the pocket to Ngakwe's rush, and, and you know some to Crosby as well. Um, Frustrating. And, uh, you know, he's, he, he, you know, here, here's the biggest issue for the Ravens right now is there isn't another answer except to hope that Ronnie Stanley is, is better. There's no one to step in for a couple games. You know, Andre Smith and Villanueva appear to be the other answers right now. There's not there's not another choice. Um, you know, they could they could go out on the street and get Michael Schofield back. Uh, I don't think that would I mean, it, it could be a little bit better on a temporary basis, but it's not the long term answer. Clearly, it's it's just a replacement situation. So there's no other option, no other strategy than hope in right. terms of, of Ronnie Stanley. Yeah, I see zero scenario where Stanley's if he's healthy is taken out. I mean, the Ravens are going to ride with their all pro left tackle and and just hope game by game that he gets better. There you go. All right. Well, let's uh, let's keep moving over to left guard where uh, Tyree Phillips uh, was having a little bit of a difficult game uh, before he got hurt. But uh, they they had him in there, made 23 out of 29 blocks, missed five, one pressure, uh, ended up scoring a point seventy two with an adjustment. That's a that's a D still at uh, left guard. Uh, not a great game for him. He had a lot of pressure on a pull. Uh, There's a little bit of an unusual kind of a scenario, but uh, he got beaten in the inside when he pulled uh, for a pressure. I think we're all going to have our feelings about who should be the starter at left guard. Maybe I'll let you just speak to this first here because I'm I'm obviously fairly emotional about this. (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm not going to bring the emotion level down, Ken. Like uh, this was something that I preached. Now, I will say that, um, you know, I, I trust your scoring very much, but I thought Tyree, like the signs were there that if he was going to continue on as left guard, at least until Ben Cleveland was going to be there, that we were going to get uh, above average, at least average play, I'll say, 
at that left guard spot. There were some good things to like, and then you take into consideration how much Tyree's been moved around. But that's where my main concern lies is that I looked at our tackle depth, didn't like it, looked at the athleticism of Tyree Phillips, thought that if you just gave him more time at right tackle, uh, held him out, see how things played out. You have a veteran player, Powers, that you could have filled in. You have Cleveland, uh, uh, who looks to be uh, going to be the left guard moving forward. So let's take a long-term plan and take a look at Phillips at right tackle, give him a long look. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And now, unfortunately, we don't have any uh, upside as far as tackle depth is concerned. Yeah, so lack of a backup tackle is a huge issue, obviously. And and you just have to protect that next guy off the bench. You have to do a better job of doing that. It's just a terrible judgment to, to start Tyree in the game. Effectively, you're starting all three of your tackles. You know, I think you'd have a not impossible case, and the Ravens obviously feel that Tyree was the best guy they could have put out there at left guard. Um, but even if that's the case, this is a case where you take a little bit of a hit at left guard and you keep your your next potential tackle uh, on deck. And he didn't play great there last year. It's it's certainly true. So we couldn't have expected a ton. But after watching Alejandro play, you know, on the right side, you, you got to think, boy, we'd be wondering very quickly, you know, maybe maybe about two more weeks from now. And you'd have to be thinking about would Tyree Phillips be replacing Alejandro Villanueva at right tackle? Uh, had this kind of a situation continued. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was getting at too, Ken. I mean, if Tyree is better at left guard than, than Powers or Cleveland, it's a mild uh, a mild upgrade there. But if you look at Tyree Phillips as far as Villanueva is concerned, uh, you know, Villanueva, it just looks like a physical issue for him uh, at this point in his career, whereas Phillips, you don't have to worry about him physically. It just looked like even last year we spoke about it, Ken, it was a mental thing for him and him getting adjusted to the league. So, uh, you know, I, I don't like to be critical of the Ravens coaching because I don't get to see everything. But this is something that I held fast on throughout the preseason, even coming on your show, on my show many times, where I just said, let Tyree stop moving him around so much. Mm-hmm. Let him concentrate at right tackle because he may be our best right tackle, if not this year, then next year. Yep. I think I think that's uh, you know good judgment. Well, hopefully this, the injury is not season ending. Uh, they certainly haven't announced that yet. Who knows what you know what reasoning they may have for not doing so and putting him on IR? They're not under any limitations on bringing him back anyway, so they have no. I don't believe there's any upside to them to just announcing that his season is done at this point. Yeah, I guess no news is good news on that. Yeah. Uh, no news is no news. <laughs> I think unfortunately, it's a you know you got a guy who gets carted off. You, you, your your first concern is probably that it's a season-ending injury. Yeah, and they've done whatever tests they're going to do in terms of the ACL. They may know already right now, and it being the Ravens, they wouldn't give out the information if they thought it would put them in a difficult position in terms of negotiations with a free agent tackle there or in, tra- in, in terms of a trade. So there you go, yeah. Ken. Brought me back down to earth there, but I was I guess it was because I was. Totally expecting him to be announced on IR today. So um, that's where my no news was good news was coming from there. But, yeah, you're right, of course. (laughs) All right. Let's move on. Uh, At center, Bradley Bozeman, I thought, played quite well. Um, 66 plays, 62 blocks. I had him for three misses. Uh, I gave him one-third of one of the sacks. Uh, so he he allowed effectively what was a pressure on the play, and and uh, and there were other um, 
problems on that play as there were all night. It's one of these difficult games to score because uh, you have sacks and they have to be allocated multiple ways a lot of the time. And then I have to make judgments about, well, did he really get a third of that? Or was that the first pressure? Or, you know, whatever. And, and uh, anyway, that's the way I called it was a third of the sack to him. And I don't try and give everybody a sack the way some other services will. I just I give out the portions of the one sack that occurred. So you match to the total. 60 points in total for Bozeman, uh, 0.91 per play. Uh, small adjustment. Uh, I think it really deserved to be small given the fact that they used a four-man rush all night. Um, uh, was a A uh, anyway. I had three blocks on level two. There were some really nice physical aspects to Bozeman's game. He looked, as he kind of always does, a little awkward making some of his blocks. He's always a guy who's who's you know at risk of of hitting the ground. Um, but but he's I, you know I think generally speaking, it, it Bradley Bozeman was the lineman I'm clearly happiest about from last night. Me too. Bright spot. Um, and I I say bright spot even expecting a steady performance from Bozeman. Mm-hmm. I thought he looked better than uh, better than average. You know better than I my perception of him going into the game. And the reason I say that now. The snaps were obviously there weren't any bad uh, snaps. Uh, they were all pretty much perfect ex- aside from one. I saw one that was a little low. Uh, other than that, that Lamar had to kind of one hand and it might have thrown him off. But I mean, the snaps were crisp. Got back there on target. But other than the snaps, Ken, uh, it was the power that he shows at that position. Yeah. It's something that I'm not accustomed to. What you didn't get with Skura. Skura was great at the second level, but uh, especially if we're going to have problems. Uh, at the tackle, now I'm looking ahead and saying, okay, well, we might have Cleveland and Bozeman and Zeitler up in the middle. It could give uh, Lamar a nice pocket to step up into and avoid some of these uh, pressure from the edge. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if the two edge guys can learn to block 12 to 6, can learn to get them to the back pylon of the pocket – um, you know, then then you have an option for stepping up in the pocket because I think that the interior offensive line is the is the cause for hope coming out of the line play in this game. Uh, you know, you, you then you have a chance if you if you if you can't if they can't even get the edge cut off at all. You know, if, if the bull rushes are coming from both sides too quickly, you know, there's not a lot that that any quarterback can do to escape pressure there. And Honestly, these conditions—we'll get this a little later—are some of the best conditions you could ever have. I want to—I want to talk about this in separate points. I'll get to it later. But you know, the the Raiders, frankly, took it easy on the Ravens. They—they used a a plain vanilla four-man pass rush the entire game. Really was it? Really was. um, You know, so I understand how you adjusted it only in the slightest way your grades. But uh, you know, Bozeman himself definitely an A grade. I—I don't see how you could. uh, make it any less than a B, uh, even if you're just doing the eye test. I mean, he played a really good game in a, in a, in a spot where chaos was around him, which you would think wouldn't make it very, uh, would make it harder on him. Yes. Yeah. It definitely does make it harder on him. And, you know, one of the things that, that comes up is that each, he's going to be a part of a double team when, when four, three pass rush. Okay. Four man pass rush. That's just exactly as offered. He should be on a guy every, every down, obviously as a double team with a guard to start with. Okay. And then when he's able to take that block over that guard on the, on the side he's on, whether he goes left or right to help should then be able to go make a help block on a tackle who's struggling. And that is something I didn't see a lot of. And I really, I don't know if I looked at the tape closely enough by play to see 
is that Bozeman's fault for not taking that block on alone? Or is that the guard's fault for being too slow to process, too slow to move to try and help on the outside? So I've got to really look back at that. Uh, it, but that was something that, that both of those tackles needed help. They needed good ship blocks. They finally, in the, in the second half, they got some of it from other players, from, from uh, eligible receivers in order to try and uh, mitigate the, the pressure a little bit. And, and we're a little bit successful with that, too, I thought. Yes, and I, I thought Bozeman looked good when he was just looking for work. Uh, you know, with the guards on the side of him, he had his head on the swivel. Uh, when he did help uh, the guards out, there was a no, he got noticeable push, uh, knocking them off balance. Um, so, yeah, as far as Bozeman is concerned, I thought that that was a bright spot uh, for the team uh, overall and something that could really help us if we're able to get the rest of our stuff together. Yep. Yep. He, uh, uh, he definitely was the guy tonight. Okay. Or on, on Monday night, I should say. Let's move over to right guard, Kevin Zeitler, 66 snaps, made 60 of his blocks, missed three, half a penetration. So he gave up a half of a, a loss on a run play and one and a half pressures as well. He had a false start, uh, that was unfortunate. Uh, 53 points out of 66 works out to 0.80. A uh, small adjustment gets him to a C plus. Uh, it wasn't a bad game by Zeitler. We expected him to kind of be the glue that holds this line together. And, you know, the help blocks are one thing where he really needs to provide that. Uh, he was clearly heavily involved in the cadence. You saw his butt bobbing around uh, in, at, at right guard pre-snap a lot. So, uh, you know, they were using him for other elements. And I think we talked a little bit about this during the preseason, I know, Jason, that, that um, we expected Zeitler actually to be able to affect the accuracy and velocity of the snaps from Bozeman because it gives him one less thing to worry about if you have a guard next to you who's calling, making the line calls, cadence, and that, and that sort of thing. Right. Very encouraging. I mean, you could see it on TV, too. I mean, he was uh, he was doing the old butt pat uh, we saw from Yonda. Uh, it does feel good to have a veteran in there. Uh, I'm, I'm optimistic about Zeitler as well. I think that there were some obvious uh, miscommunications. I don't think I think the chaos that was going on to his right with Villanueva did not help him out. But overall, um, would you give him a, you say a C? Zeitler C plus, yeah. C plus. I mean, it sounds like a C plus game to me, but uh, when you're looking at a uh, the long-term view of it, I believe that Zeitler will be a B player for us in this system. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, that's what I'd expect of him. And if he is, he's, he's exactly what the doctor ordered in terms of, of uh, being very valuable to this offensive line. All right, move over to Villanueva. 66 uh, plays for him, 48 blocks. Missed 10 blocks. Um, half, uh, half a penetration. He shared that one with Zeitler. He gave only one pressure as I have it. Okay. But there were other pressures that got ran at, ran out of on his side, meaning on pass plays, Lamar was able to scramble and that saved him out of pressure, which actually helped his grade quite a bit. He gave up a total of three quarterback hits and that was two plus two times a half. He gave up uh, portions of sack, a two-thirds and a one-third for a total of minus six there. 30 points, .45 per play, actually higher than Stanley. Um, might have been close if it, if it would have been the, if the pressures from the eventual scrambles had been charged to him. Uh, but .50 overall and uh, a grade of an F. It's, a, it's an, an F that is probably better looking in terms of the .50 than it really looked on the field. It was a horribly awkward performance by Villanueva. Yeah, it's, it's tough to grade sometimes because there are so many different shades of a pressure 
Uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough thing. I, I take my hat off for you for coming up with a system that really measures it. But it seemed like the pressures that Villanueva gave up um, were just so quick, so jarring, so shocking that if I'm the quarterback, it's something that catches my attention right away. And it was so consistent, it seemed like that, uh, you know, it's just hard. To, it's just made it hard to run the offense. It, it would seem like, uh, like you said, his, his grade or number grade that you gave him uh, it wasn't an indicator of just how poorly uh, it went for him. Right. Uh, it, it, it did not look like he used his length at all. Uh, you know, he's a very tall guy. Uh, and, and still, uh, both Crosby and, um, and Gakwe, when he was on that side, used their length effectively against him. Uh, just a very tough game for him. And, uh, you know, it, Pittsburgh fans are out there on Twitter all day saying, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. And, you know, I think the Ravens, a lot, a lot of our hope this offseason was that Villanueva would be able to get by in the Ravens system, largely because we, we assumed he was a decent pass blocker from his left tackle days and he could get by on the run blocking component, which was his weaker element, because the Ravens don't ask that much. They often let that edge player go, you know, so Villanueva gets the right. level two, plus he's playing next to Zeitler on a lot of double teams, and you, a lot of that should work. Um, but honestly, there wasn't anything to really like about uh, about Alejandro's game last or uh, Monday night. No, I mean, the, the only thing you can like about Villanueva is the fact that Lamar was his quarterback and not Ben, because... <laughs> Uh, you can see why the Steelers had to go to that quick passing game and stick with it if that was the villain away that they were seeing in, in, in practice because uh, Lamar pretty much had to plan, it seemed like, on every pass play that the pressure was coming from the right. And then not having Stanley up to speed just compounded. I felt like I felt like overall that if Stanley was playing at Ronnie Stanley's level, that having villain up be a complete miss at right tackle wouldn't have been a crushing issue. Right. It was just like... Lamar had to make magic. Um, Lamar had to make magic all night because he was getting just crushed from both edges. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point, Jason. You can get by. Lamar can get by with having one guy giving getting bull pressure, but he can't get by with two. And you know, in the past, it, this really shows up in the difference of the two and a half versus three second standard between me and PFF. And neither one is right, neither one is wrong. I'm just saying I use a longer standard for pressures. And what it shows up is Stanley gives up more late pressures that don't show up on PFF's score sheet, where Stanley's looking very clean. Uh, and and I think that Lamar has always done very well at allowing himself to get bumped from the backside by Stanley's butt, basically hitting him as he's giving ground in the pocket and being able to maneuver through that. But no one could maneuver from with with pressure from both sides. I mean, it's too hard. You can't even really step up in the pocket um, if you're getting bull rush from both sides. You could if 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 one guy gets his gets his guy to the the back pylon, but you can't do it if if they're both getting just very effective bull rush pressure into that pocket. Yeah, it took me back to the first, I think it was the first quarter where both edge rushers got home at the exact same angle and ran into each other. That's about the only time you could say, okay, well, we can step up, but they're coming from different angles. So uh, to, to, to be able to really avoid two players with a complete breakdown, keep your eyes downfield, make a throw one time is impossible, uh, even for a quarterback like Lamar, where that's uh, his ultra, ultra superpower is uh, his movement in the pocket. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And they, you know, they did what they could to keep him in the pocket this game. And, and they were, frankly, very effective at it. Just rushing four. Uh, Lamar, when he did get free, he had some he had some big plays. And you would expect that against a four man rush, because, uh, frankly, if you if if you don't have extraordinarily disciplined rush lanes, Lamar will gash you. If you do have extraordinarily difficult rush or sorry discipline rush lanes he'll still get out of the pocket occasionally and beat you for a big gain but i i you know this is a game where i I, there's not much i'm going to blame lamar jackson for coming out of this game other than the fumbles the two fumbles of his own i think were the were the main concern other than that i thought his his effectiveness as a passer was way over expectation given what the ravens gave him in terms of a clean pocket All right, let's take a quick break to remind you that Baltimore Ravens football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Baltimore Ravens tickets. That's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, TickPick is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you ever need to go to for all your NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of those awful service fees that you know from other ticketing sites which lets them guarantee the best prices for all their NFL tickets. If you don't believe it, if you find a better price for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. I don't know what you guys are doing. I'm looking at one game. I'm looking at Week 10 as the Ravens head to Miami. Not too far of a drive for me, and that's where I'm looking to pick up some tickets. And TickPick is where I'm going to do that. So take a look on TickPick. Visit TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Ravens today and use the promo code Ravens to save $10 on your first order of your Baltimore Raven tickets or whatever tickets you want. Check out TickPick and support film study by using the code Ravens. Couple more offensive linemen here, but I do, but it just fit fit in so naturally. But uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll go over to Ben Powers here. He had thirty seven snaps uh, as a backup. Uh, they made thirty two blocks, missed three, uh, gave up two one third of sack uh, piece portions, uh, and end up being a C for the game for him. Uh, not a great game, certainly from Ben Powers, but not a terrible game. And honestly, uh, he outplayed Phillips slightly in, in this game. I thought uh, decent power in the run game when he, when he they weren't running the ball all that much, frankly, by the time he, he was in there. A lot of their good running was in the first half when they're building up the 14 nothing lead. Uh, but still, he did some he did some positive things. I, I don't have a problem with him being the, the left guard next week. And I wouldn't also have a problem if they if they tried to get Cleveland going um, and, and, and moved him in. Yes, Powers, uh, I thought, played very well. Um, I actually loved what I saw from Phillips for a long-term scouting perspective. Uh, but as far as the game grades, yes. Uh, the one, the play that really stood out to me was the Latavius Murray touchdown. Uh, that was a combo block by Powers, in which I think he showed just great timing to get to the, sec- to get to the second level. He knew what, how the play – he had a good feel for how the play was developing. You know, just gave his guy a quick pop on the combo – quickly climbed to the second level, really freed Murray up. I love that. Power, solid but un- unspectacular. I think that's a great term for how he played in this game. I would say he uh, exceeded my expectations of uh, what I would have expected with him, even with the 4-0, the bland game plan that the Raiders gave him. 
Right. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously, Powers has had more problems with lateral movement in the past game before. So if if other teams start, that's what's so scary about what the what the Raiders did. When other teams start peppering the A and B gaps with a lot of stunts, then we're going to see the need for those guards to be able to move laterally quickly after they hand off their assignments and change and center as well, of course. But but a lot of it really ends up falling to the guards and and be able to to exchange dance partners. And the only guy I've really noticed in the preseason who looked exceptionally good with it was Schofield for one game. And, you know, obviously he's not here anymore, but, uh, but we'll see. I, I, a question comes up to me in this, in this process is you've got Ben Cleveland. Now when Ben Cleveland was drafted, one of the things he has is really exceptional length for a guard at 33 and three quarters inches. And given the Ravens current problems at tackle, do you think there's a chance he ends up at right tackle for the Ravens this year? It's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because I couldn't help but to think of it, um, even though we weren't didn't talk about this before the show. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, we have to be. I think we have to be. The Ravens have to be searching for every option out there. Uh, Schofield would be number one. Adrian Ely. Um, you know what's going on there, but uh, it's not something that we can take our time with. Uh, in my opinion, I think we need to get this straightened out very quickly, especially if we're going to give Stanley, like I suspect, he's not going to be pulled if he's healthy. So if we're going to give Stanley time to get healthy, uh, we really need to do something on that right side. It's something that I, I hope that Boyle helps, and I'd like to see Tomlinson play more on that side just mm-hmm. to kind of give a, a chip and a help to the uh, to the right tackle. But, uh, I, you know, Ken – there's no great answer for this. If Cleveland, uh, to get back to your original point, if Cleveland's the best right tackle, I say the heck with it and play it. We have got to fix right tackle, uh, in my opinion, at all costs. Right, I, I agree. And you know, they're not they're not going to get off uh, Alejandro Villanueva right away. I don't think. But he looked so bad that I think if he did that again, that the he would be the focal point of game planning at every moment going forward. And I just don't think you can leave that on tape. And, and say, okay, we're, gonna, we're just going to try again in week three or week four anyway and hope it doesn't uh, doesn't happen. Week four might be the critical point because they, they, they go to Denver and they've got a couple of real big edge rushers they'll face there that they've got to be careful about that. It's interesting. They're facing some 4-3 teams right up front uh, where, where they're going to face some probably some similar scheme for these first three or four weeks. Uh Boy, it, it's it's not a great look to have a game, you know, come out of a game the way they did against Oakland or Las Vegas, I should say. Yes, and when I look at Frank Clark, or uh, excuse me, when I look at Chris Jones being moved to that left yeah. end, um, and the way Villanueva, it wasn't just uh, his movement, but he's you know with his height, he's easily uprooted. Uh, you look at a strong guy like Chris Jones. Uh, it's really the Ravens are going to have to scheme. I really think that it's going to be on Greg Roman here to to give his guys help because uh, you can only coach, you have to coach with what you're working with. Uh, you can't just stick to your own game plan there. So um, I, I got, I got a few more offensive line things, but I wanted to point this out at the game. I, I noticed that Lamar on one point had Latavius Murray lined up in sidecar at, at the snap. So they obviously they called a play out of the huddle. Murray was in sidecar for that play. Lamar just went over to him, you know, after they cut the huddle and said, you line up over here, block 94. Yep. You know, and, and, and basically, I, I, I've first of all, great for Lamar because he knows what he needs and he's got to be the confident quarterback to be a field general to say, you do this now. 
kind of thing. Yes. And, and that's exactly what the Ravens need. And, and, and what it was more than that, it was exactly what the Ravens needed in terms of an assistance. Murray, I sorry. Yeah. Murray made a great chip block on that play. And the Ravens finally got one of their few ATSs of the game. And it, it was, it was just, it was a revelation kind of all at once that this is a, uh, you know, this is something you need to do. And I, yeah, I hope Lamar will look at that and say, you know what, anytime I want that, I'm asking for it. I'm just gonna, go. I, I don't care if I'm giving it away. There you go. I mean, why not? Why not? Let's just, let's handle first thing. It's all starts with the offensive line, get your protection fixed and, and, you know, let Lamar create from there. So yeah, it was great to see that. And, uh, I hope he has that same kind of influence in the game planning throughout the week uh, and that kind of ownership to say, hey, coach, I need some help over here. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And if he could I, he, he'd be very reasonable in his expectations, he's he, he just can't say fix the protections, Greg. You know, you got to you got to keep me keep me you know, upright. The, the, the answer is, is he understands what he needs exactly. He probably doesn't need perfect protection blindside from Ronnie Stanley because Ronnie's still a very good mirrorer and will we'll just bump him in the pocket, which he's proved very adept at avoiding. But what he does need is he needs somewhere else for the protection to be better. He can probably deal with with frontside bull. He can deal with backside bull, but he can't deal with both. And it's just, it's great to me that he took ownership of that problem instead of throwing his arms up at Greg Roman on the sideline or in the booth, actually Greg Roman would have been and, uh, and making it, you know, all his problem, which it is, but <laughs> no, it's a great point. I, I remember that play very clearly and was like, okay, there you go, Lamar way to go, man. R- really. It's a, it was a, a heady play and I'm glad to see him that comfortable. Okay. Let's keep it moving here. Uh, McCary was in the game six out of six blocks as I scored it on, as the sixth offensive line. And I think, you know, that's one of the things they can do obviously to help out Villanueva a little bit. Uh, but it did kind of give away that they were, they were running the ball on a fair number of those plays. I have to, would have to go back and check if they actually ran it, you know, five out of six times or four out of six times on those. But, but uh, I knew there were, were a fair number of runs. Other offensive line stuff. The Raiders rushed four on 30 of 33 pass plays. So they rushed five twice. They rushed six once. It's not like they showed the Ravens anything complex. They didn't have a single, not one zone blitz, which means they drop one of their four guys they show at the line of scrimmage to cover and bring somebody else in the blitz. There's nothing tricky. It's a bunch of 4-0. And a couple of times they had, they had five guys at the line of scrimmage and they dropped one guy to cover. But they never they never exchanged and did a zone blitz the entire game. Those are the context clues you're talking about as far as why we're both so concerned in the uh, in the future here. I mean, they didn't do anything fancy. They had two speed rushers. They had two guys in the middle of their defense who doesn't who don't scare you from a pass rush uh, perspective. So when you're going against some of these teams with some interior rushers uh, and some other options, uh, zone blitzing teams, uh, creative defenses, it really kind of uh, gives you a long pause as far as your expectations for the Ravens this season. It's you can't help but to uh, but to be shocked by this. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I think that's exactly where I am right now. And, and uh, you know, this, we, we got to look forward. You got to look, you got to look forward and say what can improve, but you don't have another option, but to hope Ronnie figures it out in time because there's, there just, there isn't another, there's nobody else to play left tackle. He's it. And if he, if he misses one game, okay, they can maybe get through that, you know, with, with great difficulty, to, to try and cover for him. But the, if he misses, if he misses a substantial portion of the season, I think the Ravens are in, a, in great, great trouble this year. Yeah. There are a couple of, I'm sorry. I didn't, uh, there were a couple of solutions that I had in mind, but maybe I should save that for later. No, in the show. Go, go ahead, please. 
Yeah, the, the, the one thing that comes to mind is to just go back to the traditional read option more often. That's mm-hmm. something that I would have liked to seen them do in this game. I thought it was fairly effective. And then when I look ahead uh, to the Chiefs with Chris Jones at the right edge, a converted inside defensive lineman, leave him unblocked and let Lamar shake him out of his shoes. Give that give the running backs a, uh, of course, the mesh point is a concern, but give the running backs more room to run. And then the other thing I would say is with Le'Veon Bell, uh, and having guys like Boyle eventually and Ricard on the team, you can come out with what you would call 21 or 12 personnel with either Boyle or Ricard out there uh, and, you know, get the defense that you want. And then, hey, let's uh, let's flex Lev Bell out as a receiver and leave Boyle or Ricard in for our pass protector uh, to help on those plays. Yeah. So moving forward, those would be the two solutions I would see. Use Le'Veon Bell's receiving ability to kind of get the personnel you want and then split him out and use Boyle, use Ricard uh, as it's just extra protection. Yeah, could be Tomlinson could play that role as well. And I, we'll, we'll see if they can all fit on the roster. With the Ravens injuries, I'm afraid they might be able to all fit on the roster. The Ravens may be a team that can go to four tight ends. And they've used a lot of 13 personnel there in week one, both on snaps where they had McCarry in as a sixth offensive lineman they're effectively using 13 personnel and, and on plenty of other plays, they, they had 13 in I, Josh Oliver did not have a huge role in this game, uh, but he played some. And, and of course they had Ricard and uh, Tomlinson and Andrews in on a fair number of plays as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was my, that was my solution. You know, I'm always trying to think forward and uh, as ugly as it is, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, it can be fixed. It's a long season, even though every game counts so much. Yeah, uh, we, we, we do tend to overreact as sports fans, but that's what we do. We worry and we, we're, we're concerned about what's going on in the future. You know, the, the kind of the signature play, the signature fuster cluck play of this game was uh, the left tackle and left guard pulling while the right tackle and right guard were pulling the opposite direction. They have a big crash. Incredibly. You know, the jet sweep picks up the first down anyway for <laughs> with Hollywood. But uh, that was one of the worst executions of play I have ever seen in Ravens history for the offensive line. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I, I I don't want to, you know, I don't even know how much to read into that because it was just so ugly. I mean, it's uh, basically four guy miscommunication by four guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I don't, I don't even know what to make of it. I, I don't have any analysis out there, fans. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of how something like that happens, I've got to really wonder, but my, my first guess is that one guy heard it wrong in the huddle on one side and the other guy didn't hear it at all. And he had, and the guy who heard it wrong had to tell the guy who didn't hear it at all you know, what, what happened. And that's how they, you know, the, the, the wrong side players get, get going in the same direction. So I just, I don't know who that would have been, but uh, boy, that's a bad communication. That's yeah, horrible communication. And for as much as I love to analyze things, I just, I've just moved on. I just moved on. Okay. That's like, all right, whatever. Fair enough. All right. So IOL depth, I think we'd agree, is a little bit of something the Ravens have right now. Uh, unfortunately, this may be a place where they really want to look at, at at an interior offensive lineman and see if, if he might be the answer at right tackle. And I, I, as much as Cleveland's had some issues with pass blocking in camp, I think he really might be the best answer they have right now. And, uh, and I certainly think he might be the best answer still at left guard. Uh, now, so he'll be active this next week, one way or the other, because hey, they need eight offensive linemen; they have to have them active. Uh, real question as to as to who starts this game and and where they start practicing with uh, with Cleveland this week. Yeah, and I mean, we saw McCarry play at tackle during the preseason too. 
I don't think many people would choose McCarry as their first option. Uh, I know how Ken feels about this, but um, it would not surprise me with what I've seen from the Ravens coaches, uh, how they use McCarry, that if he doesn't get a shot out there before a guy like Cleveland, say. Could be. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not in favor of it. I think McCarry is a guy who gets you through a game. I don't think he's a guy who, who you can count on to start a game. If you do, I think you've made probably the wrong choice. Uh, we've seen him struggle with his length. Uh, very significantly, and when he when he has been in there at tackle, and uh, uh, anyway, we enough said. I, on agree, that. I agree. I know how you feel about it. I just say, well, McCarry can move a little bit. My goodness, I mean, geez, it was. I, I'm just looking for anything at this point, Ken. I have to be quite yeah. honest with you, sir. Yeah, you hold, suggesting McCarry at, at tackle, you might as well be saying you've got a bomb in the airport. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not a funny joke here. You're trying to get a rise out of me. All right, let's let's move on here. Lamar, we'll talk about him a little bit because I thought, you know, in, in most respects, he had a very good game. Ample time and space on just seven of 33 dropbacks, 21%. Last year was even lower in that opener against Cleveland. He had four out of 27 ample time and space opportunities still through a, for a quarterback rating of 152, but with 21% ample time and space to, to throw for a quarterback rating of 98, 99, uh, certainly is, is just fine. I thought it was a very good game for Lamar fumbles aside. So, mm-hmm. I mean, weigh the fumbles, how you like grade the fumbles as you like. Um, but if you're looking at the way he was as a passer, um, it was just a, a tremendous performance. I think uh, for the, for the most part, I, I, I'd say he missed on uh, three or four small throws that could have been a little more accurate. Uh, look at the throw to Hollywood that he scooped off the ground. Uh, the miscommunication with Tyson, I put that on Tyson for stopping running. Uh, there were a couple of short passes. I believe one was to Sammy Watkins where he kind of sidearmed it where he didn't need to. But you look at all the big passes he made in this game, uh, good reads. I thought it was a, a very good game for Lamar. But, of course, it was the uh, the fumbles that people are going to focus on, which, uh, like I said, I give Lamar a B-plus uh, uh, without the fumbles. Add the fumbles in as you'd like is kind of my perspective on his game. Yeah, kind of overthrew Andrews on a deep ball that was unfortunate because Andrews was open. And that would have been, uh, you know, Andrews would have given him the hands necessary to catch that ball as Watkins did. Uh, very difficult catch by Sammy Watkins over the over the helmet, basically, straight over the helmet to make that catch. I was at the the ghost of the post game in 1977 and, and the ball came right over Dave Casper's head that set up the winning score. And that was really a, a you know, a ball where Casper had a very difficult time looking either way and, and, and made that play. Uh, it, it's, it's really, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know how Lamar could have done a lot better. I thought some of his runs in this game in particular were really outstanding, like top of the top shelf Jackson runs. And probably one of the things that upset me most, I don't know how you saw it, was there was there was a pretty significant from our angle, at least at, at the stadium, helmet to helmet targeting move at the end of the of his long run that set up the field goal to put the Ravens ahead in the fourth quarter with 37 seconds left. Lamar knew it too. And matter of fact, in his press conference on Wednesday, uh, I'm not sure when this is released, but he mentioned it too. He looked for the fumble. Uh, maybe you didn't see that on T or he looked for the, the penalty flag. call yep. on the flag once. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, on TV, he pointed to his head. It was obvious what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, as far as the, the, just the impossible looking scrambles, uh, changing the down and distance and keeping drives going, I mean, like you said, it was good even for Lamar, even by Lamar's, uh, you know, all-time status. It, they were all-time type of uh, 
escape acts, I, I would say. Yeah, lots of lots of he caused a bunch of missed tackles in this game. Uh, you know, one one play that didn't go well. They did let the edge defender come in, and and he had a uh, what he thought was a good read. I thought if the ball had gone to Tyson, it would have been a bigger play. But I understand Jackson thinks he can always make a bigger play. Crosby was entirely on his left foot in terms of leverage. Jackson saw that and said, um, the only place he can go is to the inside of where I can be in, a, in just a, in, in almost immediately. And just so happened, just by the skin of his shoe, Crosby kind of tripped up Lamar in the backfield. Lamar just barely got to the line of scrimmage or maybe plus a yard on the play. But that, that was set up to be another really big play. I thought if it had gone to Williams, I thought it would have gone for 10 yards, but, but hey, if it, if it had gone to Lamar, who knows what it would have gone for if he'd been able to, uh, you know, get into that second level. Yeah. And when I looked at his incompletions too, Ken, there was one that was a tip pass uh, from his back backside could have been called a fumble, but it wasn't, it was an incomplete pass, but just to mm-hmm. describe it, uh, you know, it was tipped up by a man coming around the edge uh, and like I said, there was one throw away down the uh, sideline to Duvernay where Duvernay didn't give any space for it to throw. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, when you look at his, he was almost at two thirds of his passes. I believe he was 19 for, geez, I don't have it written down, but it was about 65%. Uh, I think it was a very good game for Lamar throwing. He also created some windows for himself. And I really like the way he used Watkins in this game and looked for him. Yeah, nineteen to thirty for Jackson for the game. So uh, yeah, almost two thirds, right? Yeah. Um, what else we have to say about Jackson in this game? Um, the extended play. Really loved that extended play, and boy, if you don't like look at that and really appreciate what the Ravens have with Lamar Jackson, you're kind of missing out on something. I think people catch some of it. Is that Lamar can extend a play, move laterally, find somebody in the end zone, and. It's almost like he had decided that ball was going to Hollywood before it did. Like he saw Hollywood. Hollywood is probably on that left goalpost. And then you know he, had, he allowed him to move all the way to the right side of the end zone. There was He knew the, the pass rush was behind him significantly. The guys, had, in fact, uh, the linemen had made some decent blocks, um, back blocking guys they'd already allowed past on that play, which really created a lot of the extension of it. It was probably four to five seconds, maybe even longer uh, in terms of how long he held the ball. And he was able to find Hollywood in the back of the end zone. I, I, first, I'll let you talk about that play, but I had a, another point to make about it, too. Man, it, it just was a great play because I, I look at it as chess versus checkers. Uh, you know, in the red zones, so much is happening so quickly. And when you go back and look at that play, uh, the the defender to the most outside towards the sideline on the right sideline yep. was playing it really well. He was waiting for Lamar to just try to throw it underneath where he could jump it that route. Uh, he had eyes, basically, he had his man in check. He had eyes on Lamar. And Lamar just read it perfectly. And like you said, it was, it was I, I don't know if I can give him enough credit for thinking Hollywood was going to uncover the whole time, but, but sure as heck looked like that, Ken. I mean, it was just like, look, I know everybody's going 100 miles an hour, but to me, it looks like they're going in slow motion. I'm just going to wait for my guy to get open and fire a bullet where nobody can get it. Just a tremendous play. And I mean, you look at Hollywood, 
Uh, not the kind of guy that you would think is a red zone target, but under Lamar Jackson, he is. Everybody is a red zone target with Lamar Jackson. That was the point I wanted to make is that Lamar does, is not a traditional red zone quarterback. Red zone quarterbacks are what I think about in terms of pocket guys is Joe Flacco that want to throw a lot of fade routes, right. very, very low percentage throws. You know, they want to go zipper in the middle of the field. They want to throw it high up and let a receiver get it. So if they've got Anquan Bolden or they've got a real tall guy, they'd like to throw it in the middle of the field. Um, but they'd like to put the ball where no defender can can get it is their first concern. Lamar, move left to right, throw it between two defenders. That's always what he's looking to do. And and the other thing, he just exceptionally well, and we saw it a little bit on this play, and I want to talk about one other aspect of this too, is that he, he draws defenders to him, which creates opportunities for these dribble-out receivers, oftentimes a tight end like Boyle we've seen a couple of times. Uh, you know, you create a secondary opportunity that is not a run. And then, of course, last things last, Lamar Jackson takes off and, and can usually be effective that way as well. Yeah, it's a stress reliever, man. Like, you know, I, I would get nervous in those situations because it, they're so important. But it's like Lamar, like you said, last last um is his, his last choice would be just to take off and get a couple of yards and all right, let's try again next down. So even when things are going poorly, he just sees the field so well, something he does not get enough credit for. Uh, he stays true to his uh, reading the defense. He stays true to keeping his eyes on the safeties, the linebackers. Uh, there was another pass that was incomplete in this game at the goal line uh, to Josh Oliver, uh, where when you looked at it, it was like, oh my goodness, the confidence he had in himself to just fire the ball in that spot. Unfortunately for Oliver, he couldn't get there, but there was no chance of that ball being intercepted, despite the fact he had a man underneath and two defenders, on one on each side. So uh, Lamar in the red zone, uh, obviously, that's how his season uh, ended last year where, you know, with the big red yes. zone interception. But game to game, man, I'll take Lamar in the red zone uh, uh, over anybody because he doesn't need uh, your Anquan Boldens down there. Yeah, he remains perfect in the red zone during the regular season in his career in, in terms of never throwing an interception. All, uh, what is it, 50 and 0 or something in terms of the touchdowns? I don't have the current number. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, been been exceptional there. Going to head back to one flag now on Lamar's play and the running backs as well is, is the mesh point concerns. Now, both of the fumbles, obviously, where Lamar runs the ball, it, it is a cost of doing business. Lamar needs to reduce those fumbles. So I'm not saying I'm not letting him off the hook for it, but it's something that the Ravens need to take that risk. And occasionally you're going to you're going to come up snake eyes and, and, and have a fumble happen. Um, when when they let Lamar Jackson carry the ball and do all the things that make him special as a runner. The other thing is less acceptable. Now, they recovered the mesh point fumble. Lamar fell on it himself, and they are likely to recover a fair percentage of those mesh point fumbles just because of where they occur in the backfield. And the blocking is usually a bunch of double teams up front, which isn't allowing a lot of, a lot of players, at least in past years, into the backfield quickly to yep. recover that ball. But it's something where Tyson Williams and Jackson do not yet have – the timing down on that play. And and the key element to me is that the, the mesh point is a point that needs to be extended for as long as possible for Jackson to take advantages of his, take advantage of his outstanding read ability. So if, if, if that running back is going through a top speed through the mesh point and then he tightens up and closes up quickly, that's taking away Lamar Jackson's functionality in that situation. So he needs to play with very loose arms and he needs to try and minusculely um, 
reduce his speed as he comes through the mesh point to allow Lamar to make that read. And the difference between Lamar having, you know, three tenths of a second there and one tenth of a second there, which might be a reasonable approximation, or maybe, hey, maybe it's maybe it's two tenths and three tenths. Maybe those are the things. It's only a tenth of a second. Even that amount of time is significant for Lamar Jackson to figure out that guy's on the wrong foot. I can get him. Yeah. So, and we've seen so much of it, Ken. It seems like when when Gus is back there, the ball is in his belly forever. And Lamar is just, you know, licking his chops, being able to look at two or three things at the same time and really deciding at the last minute to pull that ball out. Lamar may not have that luxury with Tyson. It may take some time. It may have to be uh, a situation, Ken, where you just have Lamar uh, err on the side of caution and make that decision earlier to avoid it. But, but yeah, I, I wanted to touch on your point about the, how it's an easily recovered fumble because you're seeing a lot of double teams, as you mentioned, and then the unblocked guy is frozen waiting to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, the ball is not being fumbled forward. Like if it's knocked out of somebody's hand, it pretty it's much usually being pulled back to Jackson. Pulled fact, back yeah. to Jackson. So, um, you know, take your lumps on that. I would say don't shy away in the future. Let's call them. And, you know, especially uh, like I mentioned earlier with the problems at right tackle, uh, hey, let's let's use that that traditional read option to our advantage. Make teams pull their safeties up and flood the edges, and maybe we can get some mismatches down the field that way. Yeah, get play action started would be a would be a great thing. Uh, just going back to that, you know, I had some discussion with the Chiefs guy in terms of the Know Your Foe episode in terms of uh, what is going to fix the mesh point concerns that the Ravens have, and I, I'm just of the opinion that. You probably cannot practice that effectively. Maybe, maybe you can do it with live eleven on eleven reps if you're not playing a lot of brother-in-law play. But the fact of the matter is that 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 running back is being bombarded with inputs that he needs to use to decide how am I going to run the football. And you know the running backs they need to read leverage the same way Lamar does. So they're thinking, look, you just give me the damn football probably. <laughs> and, and they're saying, so I can read the, the, the edge here, what I need to do to get around it, what angle I need to take, how I need to plant my foot and go, um, you know, how I'm going to beat that cornerback. Maybe their next judgment that you make, even though it's 10 yards down the field. I mean, he's already concerned about that. And when the ball is coming out late, you know, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, they understand late and strong, no problem. Okay, you, you, it's your ball game, Lamar. It's you, you know you you're, you're our leader. Uh, it, it just does not look like Tyson Williams is there yet, and so we'll we'll have to see that. Tyson, I thought looked great as a runner, but boy, that that part I I'm I'm a little bit concerned about because these these veteran backs. I don't know that there's a reason to believe that they're going to have immediate chemistry with Lamar in this either. Yeah, I mean it's a great point because the running backs got a lot going through his head too. Um, you know, on those on those uh, at the mesh point, so. Uh, yeah, I think it. I think it will get better as the season goes along, just for obvious reasons. The more you practice it, the better you'll get at it. Uh, I would just say, you know, I wonder if um, if there's such a thing as a vocal cue, like I got it, or, or, or something that can mm-hmm. be said, uh, especially in home games, uh, that Lamar can give some kind of uh, vocal thing. But uh, you know, I'm just thinking out of the box there for that. Ken, maybe that's not practical. But uh, if anything, I would just say to Lamar. Um, not that he listens to me, of course, but uh, <laughs> just be more cautious with it. Just try to make your read just a tad earlier, that one tenth earlier that you mentioned. I, I, I think we got we have to demand more out of the running backs. It, you have to have full functionality of Lamar, especially if you want to go to the zone read again and you want that to be the part of the offense that's going to help you get through a, a time where your pass protection is weak. I think you really, really need to have late reads be a be a big part of that. 
But you could sell it though, Ken. Yeah, I know we're not moving into counterpoints here, but like yeah. you can sell it and know you're going to keep it the whole time and just try to sell that sell that mesh point. But uh, yeah, it's okay. going to be fascinating to see how that that plays out, Ken. Because uh, with our right tackle play, I would like to go back to the read option a little bit more. It's just my strategical opinion there. Yeah, you, would you go back to then doing it out of the pistol as opposed to the sidecar? I mean, they obviously did a lot of their read plays last year out of sidecar where Lamar was the straight-ahead option and the sidecar back was one outside and jet motion going the other way might be the third. Um, they also ran counter a lot, and they and they obviously set themselves up with three directions where they're confusing the defense very effectively. But the, the thing about last year was that Lamar was really more of a straight-ahead runner than an edge runner. Uh, yeah. w- w- you you would see more pistol or more sidecar? I would see more pistol because I, I believe that Dobbins is the guy that can push the edge on this team. We don't have anybody else that really can threaten in that way. So, yeah, I'm thinking running back up the gut with Lamar threatening the edge, like old school. Okay. All right. See, I like I like Wilson. Sorry, I like Williams for the edge, but uh, but I I'm I love the I love the idea of when with some of the elder statesman backs that they just brought in. I, I don't know what they've got left. I think they're probably going to be more than anything. They're going to be power backs. And, and, you know, with Bell, it's probably, you know, patience in the middle that I don't even know if it's going to work with the Ravens scheme. Uh, but but if, if they're going to do anything for the Ravens, I would think it would be between the tackles. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. So I, I, I agree. If there's anybody that they could run the sidecar, Tyson sticks out as, as that guy. Yes. All right. They already they already let Cannon go. Anything? Any feelings about that? No, I, I think it was a special teams move. Um, I, I, I somebody pointed out to me that uh, kick coverage wasn't as much a, a concern as a gunner was, mm-hmm. and that Wallace did pretty well in that role. And that might be a signal as to why uh, we didn't feel like we needed Cannon anymore. That we felt like we were pretty covered at the gunner position itself. So that, Wallace that was in. Well, wow. did a great job covering the one punt. Yeah, so that was that was terrific. He didn't play on offense, but uh, but that was a real nice play and and uh, and got the team started. Let's talk about skill position players. We'll just alternate here. To give me a skill position player you'd like to talk about, and then I'll pick another one and go. Sure. Start. Yeah, I love Sammy Watkins, and I, I I love the context clues for how this could play out during the season because he plays zone on Sammy Watkins. Uh, you're asking for trouble, uh, and as you know, the Ravens see many uh, forms of zone. Uh, so I think that having a player like Sammy over there compared to what we have in the past was very good. And then I also wanted to throw in, I didn't want to forget to mention, Sammy Watkins blocking in this game, both uh, during the run game and more importantly, after the catch, when the catch was behind him, he found his work and he made it work. Was very impressed with Watkins as a blocker, um, which is something that we're obviously used to, used to seeing Miles do it at, at an elite level. So Really excited about Sammy Watkins, uh, the way he was used at different parts of the field and also his blocking. Yeah, uh, you know, every every receiver that knows how to keep his feet and keep keep defenders at length is a, is a positive thing. We certainly saw some positive uh, things from uh, Watkins on corners in this game in terms of getting that those arms extended. Some of the things I really have associated more with Miles Boykin, I think. Miles, honestly, is probably at another level, but Watkins has been a good blocker for a lot of his career, so it's, that's something we uh, we can hope to rely on. Uh, I'll pick a player here. I'm going to go on and go with Mark Andrews, who I thought kind of had a disappointing game in this one. 
Uh, did get free down the seam for what could have been a big play and just got extended. I don't think it was an effort consideration at all. I just think that that uh, Lamar kind of overthrew the ball slightly. Uh, my bigger problem with Andrews is losing the football on one potential first down uh, over the middle late. And that was a play that Andrews needs to hold on to that football more. Andrews, in terms of catch rate, has been a problem for him really since the second week of 2019. He has not had a great catch rate over the time since. So it's something I want to see improved. I want to see him hold on to more footballs, obviously fumble the ball less after he gets it, but uh, didn't have a great game as from a receiving standpoint here. I think we just need to be honest with ourselves about what happened and really hope that, that he's a guy who can take his game to a different level. Yeah. As much as, uh, much as I love the chemistry between Lamar and Andrews, which is irreplaceable, really. It takes so much time, and they've had it since day one. But the, the, it's the same thing for me and Mark is the catching through contact, whether you want to call it a drop or not, whether it's difficult. Like, he needs to come through on some of these more difficult catches uh, through contact specifically. And uh, uh, did you want me to mention another player while I'm Yeah, on? absolutely. Yep. Uh, yeah, Latavius Murray uh, is somebody I wanted to talk about. Uh, I think that he will be fine, more than fine in this offense. But I think we also saw the difference between him and Gus. And the reason I draw the parallels to Gus and him is because I believe that Latavius will be asked to handle those kind of rushes uh, that we're used to seeing Gus. And the way Gus hits the hole is just uh, it's next level kind of stuff. Ty, uh, Latavius Murray doesn't look uh, he's going to be fine, I think. But it's just he's not Gus. Love this balance. Uh, I like the fact that he's a bigger running back. I think he'll be okay, but it also pointed out to me what a loss Gus Edwards is to this team. Yeah, he's, he's a huge loss, and and Murray is not Gus Gus uh, Edwards, no matter how you want to slice him at this point in his career. Uh, right. he's, he's an older back. You know, he was, what, 31, almost 32, and, and a guy who – uh, if he's going to help the Ravens, it'll be between the tackles. It'll be, you know, getting that hole quickly. And unfortunately, I think some of that fights with what the Ravens really do well with the mesh point. So, you know, if if I've got no problem running him out of the pistol, making him Mark Ingram 2019, I just think he's going to be a less successful version of that because he's he's probably going to have to depend more on speed getting to the line and taking advantage of double teams in front of him. Whereas the Ravens really now need to need to threaten the defense more than ever on a spread basis where Lamar is the real threat to get to the outside and it keeps the middle unclogged. It keeps people from committing. It also, you know, still leaves you with that option of, of a play action pass. But if you're going to go mesh out of the pistol, um, he basically he, he basically is going to have to take his time going through that mesh point and can't be expecting to to get the full acceleration he might have gotten in previous uh, situations. Absolutely, absolutely. So, who else uh, is on your list there, Ken? Oh, uh, let's see. Hollywood, fine game. I thought he did a better job than we've seen from him in the past in terms of finding space open naturally on the field. Obviously, we, we mentioned the, the play in the end zone as being a real thing of beauty, but I thought also just in some of the zone that we saw the Raiders play, he did a better job of getting into open spaces, doing a lot of what we've seen from Mark Andrews in the past in terms of, of finding the football. The other thing, obviously, the one incredible play he made, which was not a big yardage play, uh, you know, was that four-yard collective football from behind play uh, that, that, you know, we've occasionally seen great hands from from Hollywood and and it's good to see more of that. It's good to see some of that, you know, jugs gun kind of uh, ability that we've uh, that we've seen in videos from the off, off season. 
he's a really good player, Ken. I, you know, uh, there are some things that Hollywood does that, I, you know, I was like, oh, I wish, I wish he could do this or I wish he could do that. But he is great at what he does. Um, love having him on this team. So I was very impressed with Hollywood. I, you know, I think he caught all six of his targets, uh, including the difficult one that you said. He actually uh, ran tough on a uh, jet sweep type play on the yes. first two. Uh, you know, cut it up and, and uh, you know, sacrificed himself a little bit, which uh, isn't his strong point. Got the first down. So, yeah, I loved Hollywood. And then uh, I, I think that he's going to be a big part of this offense. Him and Sammy will complement each other well. And then I can't wait to see what happens when Bateman comes back. Yeah, so Bateman will be a big addition. And and frankly, I think Boykin will also be a big addition to this team when he comes back. I, I, I don't know where the Ravens will be in terms of healthy receivers at that time. Uh, but I still think Boykin can help this team, particularly if they're going to have to rely on the run even more. Um, and, and uh, you know, he's I would not minimize what he can do for this team still at this point. All right. Tyson Williams, the last guy I want to talk about. We've hit on him a fair amount. As a receiver, I need to see a little bit more from Tyson Williams. He only had one ball that went incomplete. He was targeted on it. was the one on the right sideline that you alluded to earlier in terms of really blaming that on Williams. Uh, he did not stay in motion well. I would agree on that. Uh, on the other hand, Lamar's got to hit that throw. It's, it was, you know, he, Lamar certainly at the time that ball was thrown, it wasn't like Williams was moving or anything. He just, he led him hoping that he would pick up on that clue and he didn't do it. Yeah. He had so much space in front of him. Um, you could see Lamar was frustrated there. Yeah. Lamar probably could have took a little bit off that ball uh, speed wise, just to make sure it was completed. Uh, he was moving from his first read with Andrews and noticed that right sideline was wide, wide open. But uh, I mean, that's kind of like a, uh, something you learn as a little kid don't stop running you know what right. i mean like keep keep going trust your quarterback your quarterback's looking for you to keep going so yeah i, I still put that on tyson even though lamar could have probably uh gave him a little bit more of a softball on that one yeah C- come back for the football don't wait for it and and move on when you need to so yeah it's that's it gets a great point uh I, that's it for me do you have anybody else you want to talk about no, there was nothing else. Um, I didn't know if we were going to get into any questions that people had, or if that was another show. Or no, let's uh, let's try and do that. I'm going to go through the mailbag right now, and we'll we'll get to some because we're not always the best when Josh isn't here as far as hitting this mailbag up properly. But I do want to do this, and thank well, you. Well, there's one that I'll go ahead and just start while you go ahead and do your yeah, thing. Yeah, go ahead. Um, uh, this was a great question. Um, it was regarding the under center snaps. It caught my attention uh, from my guy, Mr. MF, out there. Mr. MF, love uh, interacting with you. And we were actually under center for the first two plays of the game. Uh, one was a short gainer for a run. The other one was a, uh, a Lamar scramble. It was a uh, design bootleg. It looked out to the uh, to the right. Uh, of course, I believe it was uh, Max Crosby was in his face and Lamar scrambled for a first down. So the first two plays from scrimmage were from under center. And I don't think we saw it again the whole game. So, uh, pretty puzzling as to why you would show it on the first two game, two plays of the game and then just go away from it. Obviously, the pressure that the Raiders brought had something to do with that. But you would think that you would want to keep them a little off balance, a little more, maybe some true play action off of that or just some drawn out run plays uh, that could have worked to that side. So just wanted to answer that question. I thought was a great one from Mr. MF. Yeah, it's, it is a good question. It's you don't have to be under center to do true play action. You can be you can you can do true play action where the quarterback turns his back to the field out of pistol. So if you do a shotgun snap, you can still turn your back, pretend to hand it off, 
maybe roll Lamar out, maybe not. Uh, but but you know anyway they they uh, they didn't take advantage of that probably as much as they could have. I also understand that when your tackles are getting beat play after play after play after play that you can't you don't really have that option available to yourself in the same way. And they they probably thought well Lamar can do some things when he sees the pressure coming, but we don't we're not going to make it harder for him by making him be under center and having to drop back while that pressure is also right. getting the opportunity to get there. Yeah, I, I tell you what, we'll do this one question at a time because you can see the mailbag just like I can, and, and I'll just pick the next one. It's actually two questions together. Um, there's one from Jeff B. and another from Brad McGowan re- related to the left guard situation closely. So Jeff B. asked, how much of a drop-off do you see from Phillips to Powers at left guard? Are you more concerned about losing Phillips at left guard or backup tackle? I think we've covered this already, but no doubt about it in my mind after this game, losing Phillips at, at, at backup tackle is a huge problem uh, that the Ravens are going to need to address, obviously, by finding yet another backup tackle. And I think, they, they, as we mentioned earlier, they probably made a, a tactical error to use Phillips as the starting left guard or, or it didn't work out for them if it was a calculated risk um, to have Phillips playing there when he could have been uh, sitting on the bench and had powers in the game. Yeah, Jeff. Um, yeah, I think we touched on that that plenty tonight. So I'm glad you got your answer. Um, not, not much drop off, I don't think. I just think that the ceiling was higher as the season went along for Phillips, whereas powers is pretty much who he is at this point in his career. In my in my opinion. Okay. I, and I, the other thing that, that Brad McGowan said in his question, is there something Phillips gives them that I don't see that would have led to the judgment of putting Phillips at left guard? And that is where I have a little bit of difficulty with the choice as well, because Phillips clearly has the length that you want. He has 35 inch arms, which is extraordinary for a guard and really is what makes him an exceptional tackle prospect in terms of using his length well to block people 12 to six on the outside. But if you want him to play guard, you want him on the non-pulling side if possible. So you want him playing right guard in the Ravens predominantly right-handed run game to, to get that ability to torque the opposing defensive tackle and turn him in the direction you want him. I, I, I think, as at left guard, it's it's a a big mismatch for what his abilities are. I'd rather have him at either right guard or at right tackle, uh, you know, given who he is. Right tackle as an insurance policy, right guard if I had to you know, just pick a spot along the offensive line that I think he'd be more suited to. Yeah, I mean, tough to tough to disagree with that. I do think that Phillips offered more as far as pulling than Powers did, but uh maybe it's not going to be on Bozeman's level, either one of them. And just, again, from my opinion, what I've seen as far as just straight movement skills. Um, okay, yeah. you're up next. Yeah, I'm looking at Vinicius. Uh, and Vinny, I'm sorry if that's not your name, uh, how to pronounce it, but you asked if uh, you think Harbaugh was holding back the playbook uh, for the match against the Chiefs and uh, and the things take out of the control. Um, holding back, no. I think that the Raiders dictated what the Ravens could do, unfortunately, uh, by just basically beating them on the uh, defensive side of the ball up front against the Ravens' offensive line. That's that's the way I saw it, Ken. I don't think anything was really held back. Do you? Yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I, I, they, they will game plan for the Chiefs this week, and they'll, they'll find a number of things that they think they can beat them with, but they're, they're really distinct. I mean, they, they, have, they had personnel they had to figure out on the Raiders, and it was largely their edge rushers. 
that they had to figure out in this game. They obviously didn't get it done, even though the Ravens ended up scoring 27 points, which doesn't seem terrible. Um, but that, but I think it was really the inability to get that figured out, which which ended up lo- losing to the loss. I don't think it's it's that oh boy, we can't use secret play X, Y, and Z, which were which because we want to save those for the Chiefs. I just think you know they didn't figure out the the Raiders personnel to the degree they needed to for this game. Okay. All right, I got another one from John Big Booty. I believe that's how I pronounce it. If it's John Big Boot, sorry about that, <laughs> Mr. Booty. Um, he said he was listening to PFF podcast about how Penny Sewell playing left tackle in college graded terribly at right tackle during the preseason, but moved back to left tackle because of an injury and played well. Do you think Villanueva is having the same problem adjusting to right tackle? And I, I guess the, the, the further question is, could he move back to left tackle and be more effective? I'm going to say, sadly, I don't really see that, John. I think that the the likelihood is greater that um, AV's problems are portable, that he would take them to left tackle and they'd still be there. And in fact, it might be worse because then you've got them on on you got the possibility of a guy getting beat to the outside on Lamar's blind side, which we really wouldn't want. A guy getting you know nearer beat bowled into the pocket, giving ground to, to, to even bump him, he could deal with that. But getting beat to the outside and hit from the outside. We really do not want to see that. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Ken on this one. Uh, I do understand. I do respect. I've, I've never played tackle, but I've seen it over the years. I've seen coaches talk about it, even when it wasn't a problem to say, are they're making an excuse for the guy. Some guys do have problems switching from one side to the other. Uh, but, yeah, the problems being portable is just a perfect way to say it. Villanueva is not getting any shorter. He's not handling leverage any better. Uh, and the problems that he had last year down to down in Pittsburgh, uh, which were, of course, uh, obvious passing situations. Well, guess what? The Ravens are going to have obvious passing situations too. Um, So, yes, I do believe that from everybody I've talked about, coaches, former players, that there is something uh, challenging, very challenging, to wiping with your other hand, as Cole Jackson puts it, uh, moving from right side to left side or vice versa, left side to right side. But uh, I don't see uh, it helping Villanueva. Uh, and, and I know where John's going with this is Villanueva's played for however many years at left tackle. So, well, hey, it's one game, brand new position. You know, is it possible he's a better left tackle? I just, I'm kind of with you, Ken. I, I just think that his problems are his physical issues and limitations at this point. All right. Got one more here from My Two Cents. He said he may just be nitpicking, but he's wondering if Sam Cook averaging only 44 yards with a long of 49 on four punts is a concern at all. And and that was considering the Raiders punt was blasting the ball 60 feet, uh, 60 yards plus consistently. That is, by the way, an unbelievably easy building to kick in. Okay. Uh, and, and I don't know what are the other characteristics that make it so. It may be dry air as makes it easier. It may be any number of things you could really figure out about Las Vegas, uh, maybe altitude. I'm not sure what, what, what else it might be, but it is an easy building to kick in. Um, and and that, that Raiders punter was blasting the ball. Mm-hmm. And Cook was doing more directional punting, I would say, in this game. And uh, I, I wasn't unhappy with it. I, I'm not really concerned about it. I think we do have to be realistic that Cook at this age doesn't have the booming leg that he once had relative to the rest of the league and is, is more of a, uh, a trickster in terms of having a lot of delivery angles for that punt. 
Totally agree. And I just wanted to add that I think the Raiders are playing with fire on that because it looked like their young punter just wanted to outkick his coverage yeah. every single time. <laughs> he sure did. I mean, there was a couple of times where I thought Duvernay was really going to break one of those loose. So no problems with Cook. I think uh, I think he's going to do fine with his directional kicking and pinning teams back when he needs to. Uh, you know, kicking it out of his own end zone, not going to be his thing. He's just going to play it safe and, and rely on those gunners. Yeah, there you go. All right, outstanding show here. I really appreciate having you on, Jason. We're not going to talk MVPs in a loss. Just that, that would just piss us off. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll uh, say, Jason, thanks for coming on here uh, at Huddle It Up Films on Twitter. Yes, sir. Huddle It Up Films on YouTube as well. Over a thousand subscribers. So, thank you so much to everybody out there for your support. Never thought that number meant much because I was just doing it for fun and to inform and help people. But when I take a step back, it just makes me know. Uh, makes me realize that I've had an impact on some people's lives. So I love my football family. Football is family. I always want to say that too, Ken. Thank All right. Outstanding. Also, Great follow you. on Twitter. And also thank you, Ken. I apologize. Yes. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that very much. And anytime, Jason. And uh, this is great stuff. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs> This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.